Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Fredberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And we are going to be doing some leadership training today. How to prioritize and plan in a 30-second world with our special guest, Valerie Davis of RestNow.org. During the next hour, get your pen and pencil ready or your notepad open on your computer and take some notes because you are going to discover how to recognize our world's current and growing time distortions, the impacts of time distortions on your daily schedule, ways to that the time distortions affect the ways that you set priorities and make decisions at work and play and at home, three important choices that can reset and normalize your approach to prioritizing and decision-making, Reasons why most people are unlikely to make those important choices, how to focus on faith, and how that can help reset and normalize your life, and also some tactics for taking back your time. Our guest today, Valerie, is the author, professional speaker, and workshop facilitator with over 25 years of experience in business leadership and coaching. Her strong faith and diverse education, work, and management experiences have well prepared her to help women and girls achieve their life goals. Her website is restnow.org, and I welcome you, Valerie Davis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be sharing this time with you and with your listeners. Thank you. And I'm so, I love this topic. So I'm excited to learn from you, too. I've just done so much work on this myself. And there's, you know, there's just, I always think, you know, once you have that little aha moment, there's a shift that happens in your perspective. And it changes how you do things going forward, and that can really make a big difference. So this yes. is this is what we're going to be doing today, and I'm I'm curious so much about the distortions and how your perspective on that because I haven't really heard that term before, time distortions. But I I, I already can I already can kind of sense that I'm going to love this concept. <laughs> so, uh, so Valerie, let's go ahead and dive right in. First of all, all right. let's talk about what it is. What what is a time distortion? Maybe define that for us. Sure. Let me start by um, giving a little bit of admittedly dry science about time. Okay. So, what is time? It, it seems like an obvious question, but it, it's really not. So time is a function of distance, how you, far you travel to reach a goal, to reach a point in your life, to reach a physical place, as well as how fast you're moving to get there. So distance divided by speed. And we all know, if we really think about it, that even though there are a lot of catchphrases about time moving on and time, running after time and time is running out, <laughs> that time is really a measurement, right? It doesn't change. There are 24 hours in a day, there are 60 minutes in an hour, and there are 60 seconds in a minute. And that doesn't change. So what changes really is our perceptions about time not time itself. And that's kind of the threshold for understanding how time can get distorted because even the way we talk about it is as if it's moving or something we have to go capture when it just is. It just exists. Hmm. I love that. So, I have a let's, Yeah, I have a one of my one of my favorite phrases is that there is time to do everything God wants me to do. And Absolutely. what I've learned with time, what I've learned with time is that this is true, that the perspective is what changes, what changes my behavior 
is having that perspective that I know there must be time. If God wants me to do it, there must be time. So, uh, there, okay. there, is, there is enough time to do it all. But the issue is how we come to look at time and how we perceive time mm-hmm. that drives, as you say, our behavior and how we decide to really manage the gift of time. And I, I look at it in a way that um, identifies really three things that I think affect our perception of time and then ultimately lead to these distortions we're going to talk about. And the first okay. thing is, how much time we've used, we're, we're constantly calculating in our minds how much time we've spent on a task, a person, a conversation, um, a project, right? How much time, the amount of it. The second thing is how quickly we used it. Did it go really, really quickly? Did it go slowly? Were we very efficient? Were we kind of sloppy about it? And then the third thing is how much time we have left. We're also calculating that, right? If it's it's how much time we have left in life, how much time we have left before, you know, the bell rings at school and I got to get my child there or, you know, the meeting's going to start, start at work. So all of these things are drivers of how we perceive time. And based on whether we're dealing with reality or we're dealing with our emotions, time gets distorted. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so keep talking because I, I, I'm so curious to hear where we're going with this because I, I agree with those calculations are always going in my head. <laughs> right, you just right. Mentioned. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit more science and then I'm going to relate it to things that we all can relate to in our lives, actual events or circumstances. Mm. So when we are constantly checking our progress over time, just constantly checking how far have we gone, how many more months do I have until I finish my degree, or how much longer until this engagement is over and I end up at the altar. When we're constantly measuring the distance that we've gone over time, when we do it a lot, a a lot of measurement, a lot of evaluation, it distorts time because it makes time seem like it's going slowly. The more we look at it, the more we evaluate it, it just doesn't seem to be moving. That's a distortion because time is moving at the same speed it always moves. On the other hand, the less that we look at it, it seems to go more quickly. If we just sort of live through that moment, it goes the way it goes, and even sometimes it can seem like, as we say, time is flying. So how, how we check our distance and our progress makes a big difference in how we perceive time. And then the second way is that if we are – thinking about something constantly, just it's constant. a person, a thing, a goal is constantly on our mind, it changes how we perceive time. Because the more we think about someone, that special someone, that difficult someone or something, the faster time seems to pass. Because you're con- you, know, you get so caught up in thinking about it, you look at me like, wait a minute, I just spent an hour thinking about that person at work who's getting on my nerves and, and what to do about it. And, and I didn't realize it was an hour. I thought it was only 15 minutes. So when we're constantly thinking about something and not taking a rest from it in our minds, it speeds up the time. So you can see how with the same hour, when we are checking our progress and frustrated that things aren't moving as quickly as we want, and in in that same hour, constantly thinking about something that we want to get done, time can seem to move quickly, or can seem to move slowly, both of which are distortions because time is just plain time. 
So, so checking on progress all the time slows it down. Mm-hmm. But thinking about somebody speeds it up. What's the difference? I'm missing, well, I'm missing the difference. Che- what, checking on progress means, for example, um, let's say you're in school and you're a nine, like my daughter, fifth grade, right? She is just vexed by the fact that she's always getting grades and she's always getting assessed. And she always has to check in with me about how her day went and then it's how the report card went and then it's how the year went and then it's, you know, preparing for the next grade. And she's just, we had this conversation in the car the other day. She's like, Mom, I have to do this for seven, half to eight more years? When is it going to be over? And it keep, and for her, it's excruciatingly slow because there are all these measurements of how far she's gone, how well she's doing, how much she's progressed. On the other hand, if I tell her there's a birthday party coming up with one of her classmates and it's at the laser tag place, which she loves to go to, and I don't normally take her mm-hmm. there because it's too far away, mm-hmm. she can talk about it so much that she doesn't realize she's talked about it for two weeks. And she's like, it's today? It's really today? Oh, my goodness, it's already happening. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you've been vexing me with this conversation for two weeks, but because it's so important <laughs> to her. Important to her, right. Okay, okay, got it. Right, it's just like time just sure. shrunk and she's there, right? Yeah, right. so yeah, yep. I see, I see that. It could now. take yep. two weeks to get a, a project done in class, and it can get, take two right. weeks to get to laser tag, and she has a totally different view of how much time sure. it actually took. Absolutely. Uh, Yep, that makes sense. Yep. So here's some other ways to think about how time gets distorted. Think of something that seems to go on forever and ever and ever, even when you know that it has an end date. And for me, the one that pops in my mind is pregnancy. I mean, we all know (laughs) approximately how long it takes, right? (laughs) Right. But when you're in it. When you're in it, you just think to yourself, okay, these first, you know, however, if you're having a good first trimester, you're thinking, okay, well, this is lovely. I can keep doing this for nine, nine and a half months, depending on when you were, you know, when you went to the doctor and got the good news. But if you're having an awful first trimester and you just think, I cannot do this, I can't do it for six weeks, much less nine months, God forbid you're on bed rest, right? And you think, I cannot do this. Every day seems like an eternity. And that happens even when you know there's an end date. That's a, that's a distortion in time. You know, the doctor says it's nine and a half. It's going to be nine and a half. So how you feel about it is, is, is driving how you are perceiving the time. And then it drives how you manage it and how, how difficult you want to, want to, the difficulty level you want to embrace or the joy that you choose to embrace. Another Which is example. where the statement comes from, uh, time flies when you're having fun, because right. honestly, it does seem to go much faster if you're enjoying it. Yeah, so true. It does. And, and, it, and that seems like a wonderful thing to say, except that time is not flying. Time is just doing what time does. It's, you've decided right. to think about the time differently. So here's another hmm. good example. Hmm. Think about something that takes way too long and you don't know when it's going to end. And my mm-hmm. example for this is when I am trying to get on the Internet and it's buffering. 
I mean, the little <laughs> circle keeps going around and around and around. And I have love work it. to Good do. <laughs> okay. And I don't know yep. when it's going to end. But, you know, by the time mm-hmm. my frustration level is at a 9 out of 10, and I'm, you know, I'm like, what is, what is wrong with this internet? I need a faster service, or I need to get out of this restaurant and go to the library. When I really look at the clock, it was less than a minute. Right. And in my mind. Three minutes given what I had to do. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. a total distortion. <laughs> yeah, right. Good point. So let me give you one last yeah. example. Think about something that never lasts long enough. There's just, mm. you would want it to go on forever and ever and ever. And for some people, that's a vacation. For some people, <laughs> yep. you know, it's the perfect kiss that you just think, oh, mm. that was lovely. And for mm. a lot of us, really, it's life. You know, we don't get up in the morning saying, I'm happy to check out at 72. That, that's okay with me. No, we actually uh, go right. to sleep at night and close our eyes with full Love faith it. that we're going to get another chance tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And when you mm-hmm. think about things that you want to go on forever, there's also a distortion, mm-hmm. right? Because in your mm-hmm. mind, you know nothing can go on forever. So you have this sort of anxiety about, oh, is it ever going to be this good again? Oh, I don't want this thing mm-hmm. to end. It, 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 it hasn't been long enough. And think about it in a, when you lose someone that you love. There was never mm-hmm. enough time. It doesn't matter if they die at 99 or if they die at 9. There's never enough time for you to be with somebody you love. But it's the, it, it is the time that it is. And, and in God's perspective, if that was their time, that was the right time, but we won't feel that way. So that hopefully kind of drives home this concept of how time, which is just a fact, can be distorted in a way that we have a bunch of different emotions about it, and then those emotions make us act in different ways. Wow, that's so good. Well, this is Marnie Swedberger visiting today with Valerie Davis of Rest Now, Rest now.org. We're going to come right back and talk about the impacts of time distortions on your daily life, plus ways that distortions affect the way you prioritize and make decisions, and three important choices that can reset and normalize things. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range. Speaker profiles include their bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. Connect directly with any speakers you like by phone, social media, or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connecting place for hundreds of speakers and thousands of event planners since 2002. It's all fast. Fun and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Speaking of buffering, we had a little bit of that going on right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is Marty. Welcome back. Uh, we're visiting today with Valerie Davis at RestNow.org, and we're talking about prioritizing and planning in a 30-second world. So if you just are tuning in right now, you want to go back and catch the beginning because this is so important that you understand what a time distortion is and how it happens in your life all the time. Valerie, so we've been talking about these time distortions, so now we know what they are. How do they affect us? Well, they affect um, almost everything because when we get up in the morning, we are, even before our feet hit the floor, planning. And what we're planning is how to use our time. So literally, the way that we perceive time affects everything. And in a 30-second world, and I say a 30-second world because it, it harkens back to, you know, the 30-second commercial, which is in a sense, the thing of the past because people are now um, able to avoid commercials, but it still communicates the idea that everything now is about speed, about speed mm-hmm. and, and encapsulating something in a little bite of time or sound or experience and making you feel like you had something fabulous, but it's got to go fast or we're not satisfied, <laughs> right? right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So what I w- – let me just take us back a little, and then you'll understand more about how it, uh, how it has affected us, and it's, it's really kind of snuck up on us. We used to be in what I call a slow-pull way of life, slow-pull. And now we are in what I call a fast-push way of life. It used mm-hmm. to be that when it came to your home and your home life and your family, the forces from the outside used to have limits on them, Right. You remember when TV wasn't available 24 hours a day? Remember that? It used to go dark with the little, you know, hissing sound, just Mm. snow on the screen, right? And then there was a time when no one dared call anyone after 10 o'clock at night. It Mm -hmm. it just didn't happen. If If your phone rang and it was attached to the wall back then, then you knew someone was dead or dying, and it was time to throw your clothes on and go either to the hospital, the police station, the morgue, somewhere, right? 10 o'clock was it. Mm-hmm. And do you remember yeah. when lights used to go out on the street? Like street lights used to actually go out because everyone was supposed to be at home and it was okay In for it to be dark. You remember <laughs> any of that, right? Yeah. And that yeah. to me is what, it was a slow pull world in that I could slowly decide at my own pace who and what and what experiences were going to come into my home and into the life of my family. Because it was my decision, and I set the pace. Mm. And now I find that we're in a fast-push world. Now, back in the slow-pull world, not only could you decide because you wanted to decide, but frankly, economics and cost played a really big role. It was a gatekeeper. If you couldn't afford to something, there was this expression when I was in college that my girlfriend used to say all the time. She said, if you cannot afford it, you cannot sport it. That meant if you can't pay the bill, then it really doesn't matter that everybody else has it. You can't have it. But now mm-hmm. car phones don't cost $2,000. We don't even have car phones. They're cell phones. Flat screen TVs are not $2,000 anymore. iPhones don't cost 900 So access to all the things, that can bite out of our time and push things at us has become less costly. So instead of our pulling it in, it, it can be pushed on us, right, by companies, yeah. by programs, technology. And even my daughter is, is susceptible to this. Every time the girl turns on the TV, before the program is over, she's running into the room to tell me about some commercial. And her words mm-hmm. are, 
they, they all, the sentence always starts with, Mommy, we have to fill in the blank. Mm. Buy the yeah. pillow pets, get the bicycle light, <laughs> something. And, yeah. and it, it only took a few seconds for yeah. her to be pushed in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for me as yeah. an adult, I, what I'm dreading is the call that a lot of us get every year. You know, the call from either your cable company or your phone company or your computer operating system can send you an email that says, whatever you're using is going to be obsolete. And you have 90 days yeah. to come in and get a new fill in the blank. And I think right. to myself, I just figured out how to use this phone. And you want me to come back another right. one? They're like, yes, because we have planned obsolescence. So we are pushing these Absolutely. things on you. Mm-hmm. And when things are pushed on you, instead of your being able to set the pace, someone else is setting your timetable. They're deciding when you mm-hmm. have to decide. And so these distortions, which happen on our own in our minds, based on our own emotions, are now being artificially created because the world is allowed to come into your home, come into your pace of life. Before you even wake up, there's 17 text messages and tell you what you have to decide about today. It's so true. It's just that the level of, um, I, just, you, I don't know what you called it, but I call it intrusion. The level of intrusion is just so huge. And especially, and I just marvel at how many people have like their, even right up to their Facebook posts are dinging them every time somebody (laughs) makes a comment. You know, I don't know how you can get anything done and have that level of distraction going on. And it is just worse and worse. It is. And so what I say about this in terms of letting it impact our daily lives, that we have to focus on truth. And what I mean Mm -hmm. is we have to focus on what is true about our time. First of all, we've established that time is a fact. It is not a feeling. It doesn't have its own qualities. It runs and it it stops or it's <laughs> happy or it has joy. It just is. So that's the first fact. And the second fact is time is yours. Okay, God mm-hmm. gave man time as a convenience. And I say man, meaning man and woman. God didn't need time. He was timeless. So it was for our convenience. So it's not something to be pushed in any way on us. It's for us to decide how we spend our time. But everything in the world will tell you the opposite of that, that you need to do this. Like my daughter comes with, we need to buy the pillow pad and the new bicycle. And I say to her, there's a difference between a need and a want. Please go back right. in that room and right. try your best to ignore those commercials because you don't need that. <laughs> right? right? So let me give you some examples of how it affects us at work. And these are some statistics that are kind of depressing to me, but nevertheless, they're facts, and I'm a data data gal. So Americans work about 47 hours a week on average, according to a survey in 2014, and a fifth of American workers work 59 hours a week. And the people who make the most money and have the highest profile jobs tend to work the longest hours. And part of that is because working long hours, spending all this time at work, has become a symbol of privilege and a symbol of being valuable. It used to be, you remember that term, banker's hours? 
when mm-hmm, banks right. used to be open on, only till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It the used reverse, to be that if right. you were important in your job, they would say, ooh, she works banker's hours. I mean, she has her afternoons free. She can spend it with her family. She, he can go on the golf course. But now we flip the script. The longer you work, supposedly the more valuable you are. And in, a, in an era where competition for jobs is so high, we're pushed even further in that direction. You better work if you want to keep this job, no matter how many hours I'm requiring of you, because hmm. the moment you blink, there's someone willing to sit in your chair. So, again, distorting our view of work. You're supposed to work to live. We're not supposed to live to work. But if you look at the increasing number of hours and the, the, the reduction in the hours that we're using to spend with people, we're going in a direction that says our time belongs to someone else and we'll take the crumb. Yeah. So how about at home? Another depressing statistic. Americans average 5.3 hours of leisure time per day. Okay, that's out of 24. 5.3 hours. And they socialize and communicate with other people approximately 35 minutes on a weekday. That's stunning to me. 35 minutes for other people? I'm sorry, but 61 minutes on the weekend. So a whole hour we actually, on average, spend just with other people socializing. So apparently we would rather spend more time looking at somebody else's life on TV because most of the, the leisure hours of that 5.3, over half of that time is in front of a television. We'd rather look at someone else's life, fiction, news, reality shows, than talk to each other. That's a time distortion right there. Mm. That, that is a distorted view of what is important and how we should allocate our time. Wow. So, what is, do you know what, what else takes up that leisure time? Besides TV? Individual activities. So um, I decide to um, craft, but I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing my own thing. This is not social. This is not with other people. Um, Mm, It could mm -hmm. be that you decide, it could be another screen because this only deals with television. So it could be that I'm on social media. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's distinct from the, the 35 minutes on the weekday and 61 on the weekend when we actually actually interact with other people. And that's, if that's a distortion in priorities if I ever heard one. So we are sort of marrying the view of how in our own minds we measure our progress or look at how far we've gone and either feel good or feel ba- bad about it emotionally, and that affects how we view time. And then we and marry that to where we're going as a society in terms of time at work being highly valuable, time in front of screens being really preferred, and time with people being minimized. And we have, we have a very challenging situation here. If we spend you know, so much I, of our time – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, I've – I've thought about this so much myself, and I think what's happening is that um, people, uh, relationships with people face-to-face are actually, they actually require energy, and they require patience, and they require investment, whereas 
all of this social media and the TV and all that, you don't have to really give anything back. You can just take, 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 take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, I think you're right about that. And I think that we have come to believe that pursuing things that require the least from us is actually the best way to go. And it's an interesting switch because uh, this year I'll be 52 years old, so I'm, but I also have a nine-year-old. So I'm living in this world where I go to school and people ask me if my daughter's my granddaughter and I'm old enough to be the mom of some of the parents in her class. Yeah. And I breathe deeply about that <laughs> on a daily basis. But that being said, I'm in this weird place where I can remember being <laughs> raised and told that you do your best because your best is what you're capable of and you give your most because that is what you owe. That's what you owe as, as a child of God, and that's what he's equipped you to do. And, but I'm, I am trying to live that out and raise a child that way in a world that's saying the opposite, like what you just said, Marnie, that let's find the things that take the least amount out of us, the least energy, the least focus, the least deep thinking. And let's do that and do a whole lot of it and do it really, really quickly, and let's call that living. That's hmm a distortion that I, I just frankly refuse to accept. And I think it leads us to make a lot of bad choices about how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. This is such good content. It's so important for us to think through these things because it's affecting everything. And we're going to take a short break and come right back with our guest today, Valerie Davis of ArrestNow.org. We're going to come back and talk about the three important choices that can reset and normalize our approaches to prioritizing and decision-making. We'll be right back. Let's talk about boot camps, webinars, expos, group coaching, and stuff like that. I love investing into your life at every opportunity, so I host group coaching programs plus frequent expos, webinars, and boot camps. For example, visit www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's one of the sites that's under the umbrella of Marnie.com. Over there, you're going to find 80 individual 15-minute interview MP3s with authors of women's Bible study books. So the next time you're choosing a Bible study book for yourself or your group, visit BibleStudyExpo.com and actually meet the authors and hear why they wrote that book. It's available anytime you have time over at BibleStudyExpo.com. Another thing you'll find at Marty.com are the MP3s, PDFs, and PowerPoints of all previous boot camps. So you can tap into that training in your spare moment. No need to show up on a particular day because everything's available to you anytime you have time. And be sure to take advantage of the monthly group coaching programs. I personally have paid $600 for group coaching like this, but I offer it free as part of the mentorship program or a la carte for just $99 a month. My heart is to help you succeed at reaching your God-given goals as soon as possible. So join us each month for 21-day group coaching. All of this and more is available to you at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are talking today about prioritizing and planning in a 30-second world, 30-second meeting, how fast things are going in our culture. And our guest today, Valerie Davis, is doing an amazing job of sharing with us how come it's going so fast. It's really going the same speed it's always been. It just feels faster. (laughs) So, Valerie, there's actually three important choices that can help us reset and normalize when we feel like things are spinning out of control, which is a lot of times how things feel. Um, 
they sometimes really do feel like it's just going faster and faster until it's a blur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, there's a prerequisite, though, to being able to use okay. these choices. And you have to know that most folks aren't going to do it. They're just not going to do it. But we're going to get to why that is in a minute. I know it's not your <laughs> listeners, but other people who aren't smart <laughs> enough and engaged enough and divinely ordered enough to be on uh, on the air right now or either listening mm-hmm. um, to your program. So we're not talking about your audience, just other folks. So here okay. is a process <laughs> that you have to take on in order to be able to make these choices. And it will remind you very much of Stephen Covey's um, program, and he talks about seeking first to understand, right? He has the seven highly, seven habits of highly effective people, and one of them is seek first to, to understand, then to be understood. So this is about understanding. Here are the four things. Always understand the what. And the what means what is the real decision being made? What is the real decision being made? So if I go back to my daughter who runs out of uh, Mima's uh, bedroom because she only gets to watch television that has commercials when she's at grandma's house. I control it at home. She runs out and she says, mom, we need to get blah, blah, blah. And, what, and so my response back to her is about distinguishing a need from a want. But she don't want to hear that. She wants to hear me say, yes, we can get the ninth pillow pet that she's asked me for. But that's really not the decision that I need to make. The decision I need to make is to help her understand why she need not come at me anymore with the I want and I need from commercials, and now she needs to think for herself. So understand the what. What decision or choice are you being asked to make about how to spend your time? The second one is always understand the who, and there are two parts to who. Who is the decision maker? Decision maker will either have authority They'll have power, or they will experience the consequences of the decision or more than one of those. So who is the decision maker, and then who will be affected by the decision? Who else has to be considered a stakeholder when you have a choice about how to spend your time? The third one is always understand the why, and there are two parts. Understand why you or someone you're connected to needs or wants to make the choice. I mean, what is, what's really behind it? Because people say one thing, but usually there's, there's some underlying need that's driving them to want to get you to make a choice about how you spend your time. And the second part of the why is understand why the outcome of the choice is important, either to you or to the other stakeholder involved. And then the final, fourth one is always understand the when. When does the choice need to be made, and when will the consequences show up, either good consequences <laughs> or bad consequences? Yeah. So if you can follow that process, that means you have to think. And this is my, if you remember nothing else that I say today, okay, I'm, I need you to remember some other stuff, but focus on this one, <laughs> that – you are, if you're going to be a master of time, your time, then you are going to have to set aside time to think about what to do with your time. Managing time on the fly is a dangerous game, and it is completely dissatisfying. You will never be satisfied managing on the fly. You're going to have to actually set aside time, write it in your calendar, because I still use a paper calendar, or put it in your phone if you trust technology or your, or your electronic calendar and say, thinking time. This is when I'm going to think about how 
to manage my time. Now, if you do that, then you can make one, you can make these choices, one, two, and three. Choice number one. When I say that I want to normalize our approaches to decision-making, I want you to have a life that feels normal to you. This isn't Valerie's normal, but what's normal to you? And I've talked about some of the things that make me nostalgic for, you know, the, the slow pull life. I want to feel like my home is my castle, and I get to decide what goes on here and not a bunch of entities trying to push things on me. That's normal for me. But whatever it is for you, these choices will help you normalize. And the first one is choose to invest your resources on only those decisions that are yours to make. It may sound obvious, but I'm going to say it again. Choose to invest your resources on only those decisions that are yours to make. And I'll give you an example. Talking to a friend of mine um, the other night, and her mom has over several decades um, fought and won the battle with some pretty serious illnesses. And I'm talking decades. And she's been the big cheerleader, the organizer, the keeper of the big binder with all the test results the, and the, you know, millions of doctors that they've been to. And on this latest episode, um, what happened was she, her mom kind of left her out of the loop, didn't call after the doctor's appointment, didn't let her know what had gone on. And when she called and said, well, um, you know, I thought we were, you were going to dial me into this. And they said, she, her mom said, we took care of it. And that was kind of studying, stunning because if you've been working with someone as their prime support mm-hmm. over decades for whatever it is, the doctor's visit, the, the, the spouse, the helper of the, you know, recovering addict, when they decide to take a different tack, that's their decision. And she was insightful enough to say, okay, mom, and let it go. So that is an example of knowing that it was not any longer hers to take the lead in deciding how her mom's health care would go. It was that her mom felt she wanted to do something different. It wasn't for her to argue. It wasn't for her to take over. It wasn't for her to insert herself in the situation. She was only going to invest her resources now in decisions that are hers to make. That's Mm. choice number one. Choice number two, embrace the consequences of what you decide to do and what you decide not to do. And I'm going to stay on this example with my friends. (laughs) Embrace the consequences of what you decide to do and not to do. Because when you make a choice about how you're going to spend your time, whether you're going to make phone calls, go to a meeting, um, volunteer here, accept a a promotion, uh, take 17 children to the park in 97-degree heat, with, you know, that broken bathrooms and try to figure it out. Whatever it is you decide to spend your time on, there are consequences. But when you decide to do that thing, you are deciding not to do something else. So my friend's decision, for example, not to push back at her mom has consequences. That means, and the biggest one, and we didn't talk about this. I'm speaking out loud about this. The biggest one I thought of in my mind was this is a friend with incredible need to know that her mom is okay. And now her mom's choosing to kind of handle it independently. So the steady feed of information which has given her security about knowing that her mom's getting the best health care and she's winning the fight, now 
in the dark. That's a consequence of deciding not to spend any more time pushing her mom to be in the lead. And that's a heavy one. So she has to just decide, okay, I I have to get comfortable with being in the dark, which leads to choice number three, which is be willing to miss out. And we're not. We we don't live in a society that wants us to miss out on anything. I have a friend that sends me before I get up in the morning, on average, at least nine tweets. Now, what's funny is I don't even know how to tweet back. I mean, I'm on Twitter. Anybody, you know, out there that wants to school me on actually how to use it, that would be lovely. But I say to myself, it's not even 7 in the morning. And I have tweets about (laughs) things happening when the Olympics were on, that was the focus. Now that the the political drama and elections, that's the focus. And, And I say to myself, good grief, I could spend my time trying to figure out how to tweet back. But I've decided I'm, I'm willing to miss out. I'm willing to miss something. <laughs> I'm willing to understand that, that her focus areas are moving targets, and that's okay. And I'm willing to know that my focus costs me something. My focus of my time will cost right. me something, right. and that's okay. It's okay. Right. Hmm. Wow, these are really, really good. Um, I don't want to shortchange you on anything. Did you have any closing comments you wanted to do on these choices here? Because I I have a couple comments myself. No, no, no. I was just going to kind of wrap up after your comments about why people aren't going to do it. Yeah. So what's interesting is the prerequisite process is to take time to manage your time. And I, I really feel like, I mean, there was a, there was a statistic years ago, and maybe you know it, I don't know it anymore, but like that, um, you know, planning for 15 minutes saves five hours or something like that. I mean, it's just this, it's just huge how much time can that. be saved uh, if you will sit down and make a plan versus just running at, running at the project with no plan in mind. And it makes perfect sense because who would build a building without an architectural drawing, you know, and it, it would just be, insane. You would never consider doing that. And yet that's kind of how we do our days all the time. So I just love that premise. Uh, It takes time to manage time efficiently. And then I was thinking about the number one in the choices, investing resources on only decisions that are yours to make. And I remember there was um, years ago, my nana, my mom's mom, was in a nursing home for several years. And at one period of time, I felt prompted in my spirit that I was supposed to write her a letter every day. And so every weekday, I would write Nana a letter. and It was a page or more, and I would send those off, and she loved it. She saved them. And when people would come visit her, she'd quote lines out of it. And she, you know, what I mean? mm. it was just like having me kind of there. And but mm. and then there came a time when I had to stop. It was like I couldn't do it anymore. It's like the grace to do it was gone, and that season was over. And I had to just be okay with that. But what was mm-hmm. really interesting, Valerie, is that years later she said to me, you know, like three or four years later, she said to me, "You know what, Marnie? For a while there, your sister Marla was sending me letters every day, and she got us <laughs> confused, and she thought it was Marla who sent her the letters." And what was the most amazing and awesome thing was that even after investing all those hours and all that time and all that energy and love into those letters, it didn't bother me at all that she couldn't even remember they were from me because I didn't really 
I did it for her, but I did it mm. because Jesus enabled me to do it. And so I already had my reward from Jesus, even if she couldn't even remember that it was me who did it. And that's right. where we come into so much. We walk into so much grace when we let Jesus orchestrate our lives and when we don't have to take all the credit and have everybody know it was us. And, you know, all of this uh, falls by the wayside and we say, but accomplished was done what Jesus had for me to do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk Amen. to us about why, why don't people do this? Well, I, I, before I do that, I just wanted you to know that you are firmly in Bible country when you talked about building a building with a plan. Luke chapter fifteen twenty eight. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? You were in straight Bible country. Amen. I love it. Okay, so why don't people do this? Number one, we don't take time to think. I mean, we don't. If you crack open your calendars now, listeners, do you have thinking time actually on your calendar? I would probably say no. It's just not what we do. And I'm a girl who my MO is this. I think, I act, and I apologize if I got it wrong. Now, I don't, I'm not an <laughs> ask for permission type girl. But I'm going to think about it first. And thinking time is not valued. We're supposed to know all the answers already, and we never say we don't know because that's taboo. So that's number one. We don't take time to think first because it's not valued. We're not trained to do it. It's not a habit. The second reason is that we value too highly the perceptions and the reactions of other people, and we think we can actually manage them. We think if we make it look like we knew what we were supposed to do, when we were supposed to do it, how it would all turn out, that people will think highly of us. And I remember when I had the good sense to get a therapist many years ago and pay as much attention to my brain and emotions as I do to my body, um, she once told me, Valerie, uh, we were talking about, uh, somebody, I don't even remember who it was, somebody at work, and she said, you actually think that if you behave a certain way, they'll react a certain way. She said, Valerie, that's magical thinking, and we don't live in magic land, and I've never <laughs> forgotten it, and that's what I call magical thinking. When you think that the Aww. way you behave is going to influence somebody else to do exactly what you want. And then the third we reason is live in magic land. We do, but we don't. Land. No, no magic land, no magic land. And the last reason real real quickly is we overemphasize independence. We live in a world that says you can do it, do it yourself, and faith and being led by the spirit are dependent lifestyles. They're not independent. We operate out of intellect and information because this is an information-driven world, and we're in a competition for who knows the most fastest. That is not a world that says stop, think, pray, and then act. So those are the reasons why folks don't do it, even folks in the body of Christ. Hmm. So good. Well, this is Marnie. Our time is flying by. We're going to take a short break and come back, talk about how to focus on faith and help us reset, normalize, and also tap for taking back your time. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Did you know that the recordings of all of these podcasts are now available to you free of charge at Marnie.com? You can listen via Stitcher, iTunes, or Blog Talk Radio, or download the MP3 for easy listening anytime you have time. Every training module is 60 minutes long. 
features a guest expert and focuses on practical, doable, and easy to implement next steps in your particular fields of interest. Whether you're looking for help with author training, speaker training, to how to be a media guest, how to be a better manager. Maybe you want to be a women's ministry leader or you already are, or possibly you want to learn more about event planning. Bonus sections even address how to succeed in leadership, marriage, parenting, health, and more. So pick your area of interest and get going today. It's instantly accessible to you anytime you have time over at Marnie.com. Welcome back. We are on the final leg of this program talking about prioritizing and planning in a 30-second world with our guest, Valerie Davis of ArrestNow.org. Valerie, so how can we focus on faith in order to help us reset and normalize? Here is what the Bible says about time. The Bible, the Word of God talks about time a lot. And I'm just going to pull out things, and I'm going to give you some scripture keys. I have a whole list of things, of scriptures that help help us reframe um, and dis, uh, eliminate the distortions that we have in our minds about time. And we'll talk about how you can get that through my website later. But here's what the Bible says about time. First of all, I mentioned this before, time was made for humans. God didn't need it. He, he is eternal. He always was and will be. So the only reason we have a cycle of days and a cycle of years and a cycle of hours and minutes and seconds is because God gave it to us to anchor our daily lives. So if it was made for us, that means we have dominion over it. Scripture key is Jeremiah 1.15, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. So when he says he knew us, and there, he talks about before, he's acknowledging that we have a need to understand where we sit in time. But he's saying before time came into play, I knew you. His timing, number two, his timing and human time are not the same. Timing and time are not the same thing. God doesn't need time, but he has his own timing. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. That means in the plan that he has for us, what we're supposed to do literally every second of every day has a season, it has a time, every Mm, single activity. So if it has one, we should probably go ask him what it is instead of, like (laughs) you say, just running out, as they used to say in the old days, willy-nilly, just trying to figure it out on our (laughs) own, right? Here's the third thing the Bible says about time. God's ways are not our ways. What I say also is, but they're the best ways, right? <laughs> There's a scripture in Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead only to plenty, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So we have a choice to make. We talked about making choices about how we spend our time. We need to, at a measured pace, pursue an understanding of God's ways because his ways are not our ways but he has promised to give us his mind if we seek him. And that leads to the fourth thing. God laid out plans for us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. And he knows everything about us. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He gave us our number of years that we would live before we were born. So, in fact, our time is limited. In fact, he knows how much we have. And, in fact, he has laid out for us what we're supposed to do. And he makes a bunch of free offers. I love I love a bargain. I'm bargain mama. So it leads me to number five. God has a bunch of free offers, and they're ours for the taking. And here's a little list. Peace, wisdom, 
direction, provision, protection, grace, mercy, forgiveness, rest, and ultimately to share in his glory. And the scripture says in James 1 and 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says, so then be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because the times are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he invites us to take all these free goodies that he's offered, understand Mm. that the context for our choices about our time is already laid out. He just wants us to ask. So when we talk about setting aside time to plan our time, part of that needs to be to communicate with God, and that's called prayer, and it's a two-way conversation. It's asking and then listening for the answer and doing it as much and as long as it takes. Hmm. That's so great. Well, we have about four minutes left here for you to share some tactics for taking back your time. Okay, so my I got five tactics. The first one is seek peace. Seek peace. That means run after, chase, make it your priority to, ha- to be at peace about the choices you make about your time. You know when you don't have peace. For me, it's all in my stomach region. If I I am unsettled about a choice I'm making, about what I'm supposed to do, I need to stop. I can feel it in my stomach. Some people feel it in their shoulders. Some people have a feeling in their head. Some people, whatever your your tell is, you have a spiritual tell that tells you when you're not at peace. That means you need to stop and ask God. The second thing is what we just talked about, schedule what I call good God time. Not, you know, bad God time. Not some crumbs on Sunday morning when you're in service and you figure you're done at 11.45 and then you're going to dinner and you did your God thing for the week. That's not it. It's not just reading the devotionals that somebody else wrote in the morning but not really meditating on the scripture. Schedule some good God time every day. The third one is practice what I call your purpose pause. This is a statement that buys you time when somebody asks you to do something. So they go like this. Mm -hmm. Here are three of them. Somebody asks you to do something, and you go, hmm, that's something to think about. Another one is, let me get back to you on that. Or a third one is, interesting. Those are what I call your purpose pause. It gives you time to purpose, (laughs) to to pause, and see if what they're asking you to do is part of your purpose. The fourth one is practice Uh what I call your gate closing. You're going to close the gate on some stuff and say no. And the practice goes like this. You say, no. That's it. You say no. Or you say, <laughs> I love it. Not right now. Or the last one, I'm not able to do that. So those are your gate closes. And the last one is get your stakeholders on board. People at home, in your family, at work, and at play, let them know where you're coming from about your time. Let them know you pray about it. Let them know you need a minute to pause and check your purpose. Because if they're on board, they'll give you the space to do it. Hmm. Wow. Really good. We have we have a few more minutes here and I want to just dive into these a little bit deeper. So it's kinda of interesting. I love I love your uh gate closer, just no. Um <laughs> and one of the things I love the phrase, this was really freeing to me. Every time I say yes to something or to you, I have in effect said no to something or to someone else. But every time I say no to you or to something, I have in effect said yes to something else. Now, if I'm saying no to this really 
good thing that God has in my past so I can sit in front of the TV when that's not something that he would prefer for me to do, that's really foolish. But if I say no because I need to be doing this other thing that he's called me to do, that's really wise. And so sometimes the answer no is really the right answer. It's when you get too comfortable with the answer no that you get in trouble. It's not saying no. No is a great word. No is no is a word God mm-hmm. says a lot. We come to him and no. Him. Sometimes he says no because he knows that's not best for us. Right, and sometimes it's not a one-to-one ratio. What I found, and it's, and it's proven in the Bible, is God will multiply your capacity to do things at a supernatural level. So there are times that's when true. in my flesh and in my mind I know like even preparing for this interview today, I had 4,000 other things to do, and there was no way I was going to be prepared in my flesh. And I said yes when, when I sensed the inquiry about working with you on this program. I didn't expect you to say yes. Mm-hmm. I expected you to tell me, well, in six months we'll see if we can schedule you and blah, blah, blah. And I get back this email that says, well, here are the dates in September, and it was August. And I was like, wait a minute, that wasn't in my time factor. And I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm opening this door. Say, yes, I will make a way. So he can multiply your capacity. But, it, but so to the point, it's not always no to one, yes to one. It can be no to one and yes to five, right? Because he's yeah. that kind of God. He really can. And there was, uh, very quickly, there was a time uh, way back now, probably 18 years ago, I think, um, where God literally, I believe, stopped the clock for me because when I looked back over the series of events that had happened in a certain day, there was no human possible way it could have gotten done. Those things took a particular amount of time to complete, and they were not given that amount of time yet. They were all done because I needed to be on a plane going somewhere else uh, in an emergency crisis. And, you know, it's it's so interesting because time is this, um, it is very obvious that you know, 60 seconds to the hour, 24 hours in the day, and yet God is the God of time. And just like yes. any other miracle, he can intervene when he has other work for us to do. Oh, my yes, goodness, well, you guys, if you go over to restnow.org, it's restnow.org. What are they going to find over there, Valerie? We have... A free resources, free webinar series for women and men every month on a topic just like this. We have a retreat coming up October 28th and 29th just outside of D.C. for women who want to dive deep into their purpose work, come up with an action plan. And we have a membership program similar to yours where you work with coach, Christian coaches and a curriculum to actually get the thing done and have it out in the awesome. world in 18 months. Wow. Awesome. That sounds terrific. Valerie, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. You've just really given us great context, and I'm so grateful that you did agree to God's call on your life to come and join us for this hour today. Thank you. And thank you all for being here. It is so great to have you come and join us. Uh, If you listen live or to the archives or to any of the syndicate stations around the web, or even if you host the show on your website, and you listen in, thank you for that. And we appreciate all of you so much. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you next time here at Marnie's Friends. Have a great day. Bye-bye.